right, what up, what up? Episode 124 of the Stiff Shots Podcast. Just screeching into a new year. 2022, uh, Tuesday. 222. Remember that? Remember? Rick Ross? Yeah, yeah. If you make a wish, it comes true. Yeah, it comes 220 true. Yeah. My name is Ryan Rainbow, and with me, as always, is Rick Ross, the rapper. Rick, how you doing? I used to be a prison guard. Uh, then I had a rap career, Cobb County, Georgia. I'm doing good. Yeah, now it runs the Wings, the Wings Stop, the Wings Special Place. You know what I'm talking about? Hot Wings? Yeah, yeah. I run the Jewels, run DMC, Hot Ones with Tom Holland. That's right. Uh, hot Ones, which I know we've talked about before. Uh, I think I want to get a set of those hot sauces and just eat some freaking wings, bro. You, you ever think about doing that? I got five hot sauces for my brother-in-law because he likes hot oh eat this thing it's crazy so we started doing it he's like oh this isn't so bad did a little thing he put, he put it on dorito yo well, i don't know why doritos keep coming up in my life but constantly tom eats doritos constantly people leave doritos outside their house like hey delivery drivers merry christmas it's a bag of doritos so i'm like i'll eat it so he puts a little hot sauce on a dorito he's like oh it's fine and then he's talking and then his eyes are getting bigger then he starts sweating so the, Merry Christmas, here's five bottles of different hot sauce. All right, well, two questions. One, were they the hot ones, hot sauces, or they were just five hot sauces? They were just five hot sauces. That he just got, were they in a set together? Or he got five separate hot sauces. Correct. One set, five bottles. You know, I really want to make my own hot sauce. There should be an Extinction AD hot sauce. It must be easy to do because everybody's got one. Yeah, everyone does that. And I feel like I don't want to do that for a couple of reasons. I'm busy. And I don't like hot sauce. I don't like the hot feeling of spice. I like a good spicy taste, but I don't want to deal with like, I could sweat more than you. I could take it. Like, hey, you know what? I've I've taken enough. I'm old. Like, you ever seen my parents? I don't need hot sauce to test my metal. All right. My second question is: Are you saying that people leave you, the Amazon driver, a bag of Doritos as like a Christmas gift? Well, at their front door, they say a little note with, you're the real heroes with a Z and, you know, stuff like that. And oh, we really appreciate the fact that, you know, you don't get paid any money and it's always snowing and raining. And we're going to complain about how you threw this package because you don't care about your job, even though you get an eye watch for being such a good employee. Yo, can you believe? Yes. So they leave little bags of stuff or like a like a Tupperware with here, take something. It's like a water and a bag of Doritos. So I take the water and the bag of Doritos because I think it's funny to send a picture of it to Tom. So you know how I just took off so much time to go on tour and then had to come back from tour and then say, oh, hey, I'm back because um, people I'm not friends with, they're just so stupid, but I'm leaving for six weeks. And I get, oh, thanks, thanks, buddy, no problem. So I'm just gone and I come back for two days this is how good at my job I am. After doing all of that back and forth, leaving my job for six weeks and a hundred weeks, my boss calls me. I drive. I'm driving and he calls me. So I answer the phone while I'm driving like a good employee would do. And he asked me, hey, uh, do you have an Apple phone? I said, yeah. He goes, do you have uh, iPod, I, uh, AirPods? I said, yeah. He goes, do you have an Apple Watch? I said, no. He goes, okay, when you're done with the day, come by the warehouse and pick up your Apple Watch. I was like, oh, what? Why? He's like, oh, you know, just for being a good employee, you're our best driver. I said, okay. Are you kidding? After all that stuff, I'm still the best. 
best in the wow. world. I go, I go, I pick up my Apple Watch. I ask her, let's say, hey, what kind of Apple Watch do you have? She says, Series 3. I said, oh, I got another Series 3. She goes, oh, so I don't need it. I said, okay. So I sold it. 150 bucks oh, to man. like, yeah, crazy sticker decal car, uh, speedy car decals at Venmo.com or something. He showed up at the mall <laughs> and he, he Venmoed me. I gave him that watch. The end. So you're still using that sundial then to tell time? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I got to Hawaii, I threw my watch out. Who cares about the time? I have it on my phone. Sarah Marshall. Yeah, so uh, my car battery was dead this morning. And when I called AAA, the AAA guy that came out, I was like, hey, man, uh, do you like want something to drink? And he's like, no. Well, what do you have? <laughs> Which is funny. And I was like, I think... You know, normally I would have lots of Fago and Rockstar, but right now I think I just have this uh, Dr. Pepper cream soda, zero sugar. Is that something you're into? Rick, do you like cream soda? I haven't had it in quite some time, but the answer is yes. Remember that Rockstar marshmallow? Yeah. Oh, so good. Got that in Evansville, Indiana. So yes. Man, Rockstar marshmallow was so good, and they even brought it back when they did the rebranding when Pepsi bought it out for like a week, and now I can't find it anymore. But this Dr. Pepper cream soda... Zero sugar, because cream soda rules, Dr. Pepper rules, and when the two come together, violence. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he took the cream soda, Dr. Pepper, and uh, and he seemed satisfied with it. I remember one time I went to a cactus car wash, which famous, famously employs felons, and they also famously steal from you when they clean your car. <laughs> So I gave them a Trojan horse gift of, at the time, do you remember when Jones Soda would do like the uh, garbage flavors? They'd be like, oh, it's Thanksgiving dinner flavor. It's oh. gravy flavor. Okay. So they were doing that, but this was Halloween. And so this beverage was candy corn soda. And I remember watching the guy crack open the candy corn soda. Oh, he's like, oh, man, I can't wait to get this refreshment, right? He's out in the hot sun stealing iPhones from people's cars all day. Actually, this is pre-iPhone. I think just iPods. And he kicks it back, and he was legitimately angry with me. I thought he was going to fight me. Joan Soda discovered 1998 senior year of high school. Cream Soda by Jones. So good. Uh, green Apple Soda by Jones. At least my 18-year-old memory. Uh, so good. Candy Corn. Guess who likes that? Chris Mazzella. Guess what else Chris Mazzella likes? Um, circus peanuts. That was his go-to <laughs> snack on tour in 2001. Circus peanuts. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to see Chris Mazzella on uh, New Year's Eve. I should get him some circus peanuts and think, see if he thinks it's funny still. <laughs> oh, is uh, Death Spiral playing a New Year's Eve cover show or something? No, no, their first show at Irving Plaza got canceled because uh, COVID is rampant in New York City. So everything in New York City is canceled. Everything in uh, all Canada right now is canceled unless you have a couple of days or two to get rid of your stock at the bar, apparently, which sounds like a joke, but it's serious. Um, I don't know if our tour is going to happen in January, February. I mean, things are going crazy. Who knows? I guess we'll find out um, after I spend an upple, another couple of thousand dollars to get the tour going. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I thought that the show at Irving Plaza was canceled just because Travis Riley will do anything to get out of working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, he works so hard if it's just a handheld device of like <laughs> Twitter. Um, yeah, hitting a like on a Jamie Hader. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we were texting before. I don't want to talk about it yet, but um, he did some internet work that could be some cool stuff for us. Maybe we'll be able to divulge it next week. Well, here's the first thing I want to talk about this week, even though we're you know ten minutes into the show. The yeah. first thing <laughs> I want to talk about is wrestling wrestling related, and that is on AEW Rampage before they had a a title match of Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara, and kept on telling me that Brody Lee was the greatest TNT champion of all time. Champion for about a month. I know he passed away. That doesn't mean he was. I mean, Miro, come on. Miro is tag team partners with a god. And now, <laughs> anyway, there was Hook versus one of the wild boars or whatever. I don't even remember this guy's name. He looks like uh, Bull Dempsey from OG NXT. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the name? Team Horse? It's something like an animal, the Wild Kingdom or something like Why that. Why can't I remember? So anyway, Hook what, is... Bear, Bear Club? Uh, Hunt Club, maybe. No, no. Ralph Lauren Polo Club. Shut up, Ralphie. So, Hook, Taz's son, is facing off against this guy. Now, just for those of you that don't know about wrestling or just don't know about who we're talking about, Hook is the son of Taz. Taz is famously a long-running ECW champion, but also famously a very small human being. But he was very stocky. He has this fake Brooklyn accent that makes him sound tough. <laughs> He wore a lot of safety orange that made him look like maybe he was a construction worker. You know, you don't want to mess with them. You might cat call your sister. So Hook is maybe. I know that he's old enough for to, to be OK for me to be sexually attracted to him, but I don't know how old he is. He's maybe 22, 23. And he's maybe 120 pounds. Now, that's not because he has no muscle. He's very ripped for being a small boy, but he's a little kid. He's got to be. No taller than Taz, so he's what, 5'1", 5'2"? <laughs> All right, and he's facing off against this bull guy. Bull, I'm going to call him Bull Dempsey. Bull Dempsey's facing him, <laughs> and Bull Dempsey is probably on the low end, 270. This is a gigantic human. Yeah, he's, he's stocky. He's, uh, he looks like one of the, the big chunks of meat from Dinty Moore beef and stew. Yeah, the stew from Ireland that always Sonny keeps on throwing in each other's faces to wake each other up. He's yeah. this guy. So this is Hook's second match. They're having a, a, a fairly competitive match where the guy's overpowering him. The, the bull guy straight up does a sit-down reverse pile driver onto Hook. Hook immediately pops up, no sells it. Not like no sells it, like oh he's you know he's still learning, he's figuring out a sell. Hit there, even the announcers are putting over like this guy can't be put down. It doesn't matter if you're 150 pounds more than him and do a finishing move. You can't even get a zero count on him. The move that legitimately broke Steve Austin's neck, damn near broke my neck. Hook. It's the greetings from Asbury Park by Bam Bam Bigelow is what this guy does to him. Yes. And he so. Road Warrior no-sells him. <laughs> Road Warrior, yes, pops up. Then, which I mean is like legitimately funny, like I'm laughing out loud, but then does a very impressive like Taz suplex to this guy. Like he must have, I'm sure the guy helped him a little, but still that was an impressive suplex. But when he no-sold the pile driver, I was 
dying. They're just putting this kid over like he's just a monster heel. He's he is Spike Dudley, but he's got cool hair. <laughs> um, does it work for him? Or does it take away from all the hype from his debut because it's just comical at this already? For me, it it hurts because I want to be all in on Hook. But I think for the AEW audience, they're like, yeah, this is how wrestling works. We've been watching the Young Bucks. <laughs> you do you know, pile drivers, you kick out. That's how it goes. This is the first major misstep. In my opinion, just me personally, bro, for me personally, bro, uh, in a few months, AEW, they really have something with him. They didn't need to do something like this. I think this is like, oh, come on. This is almost, no, I don't even want to make any analogies. This is just a miss for me. So funny. So unbelievably funny, but not funny in the way that I want it to be funny. Um, it's not ruining Hook for me is yet. Uh but if this becomes like his thing, then uh, I think I'm I'm not as in before. But uh, it's you, either way, it sure is some decision. It, it, <laughs> it sure is something that was like spoke about and they went through with it. Uh, but yeah, man, that is it's really something else. It's it's funny to watch if you watch it on YouTube. Uh, you could straight up just type in hook no sell. And it's side by side with a Jerry Lawler pile driver. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah. So you could just keep going back over and over again and watching it because it kind of gets funnier every time. Well, I'm happy to hear that because, you know, I immediately told you about it when I saw it. And I it's something that was a big deal for me. But and when I say big deal, I mean just something that I couldn't get over. Like it was yeah. just so funny and crazy. But I didn't even think it was going to be something that anybody else cared about, to be honest <laughs> with you. So I'm glad that it's like a noticeable psychotic move. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Because if it was just like very could confined to that show, oh, that just happened one time. People are excited. For better or worse, that might be better because then it's forgotten. But it, who knows? This might become a thing. Like, hey, let's just give him the most devastating things that's like safe so he could know. So I hope not. I hope hope this is just like a one and done funny thing. Real weird. So that after that match, we had the Terrible Neck Tattoo Championship, which I think will become the Terrible Brandy Scholarship after this. I'm not sure. Oh, no, because that's what uh, – that's the women's, the women's title. I, yeah. I apologize. So they Yo, have is, – Is Rampage also going to TBS or Rampage staying on TNT? Oh, I thought AEW as a whole was moving to TBS, but that's a okay. good question. Yeah, I don't know the answer to it. We should know. We get paid enough for this, but um... – Well, I mean, after our iHeartRadio second time in a – in a row, second year in a row, best wrestling podcast. Yeah, last year was our second year in a row. We haven't got the results yet for third year in a row. But I don't see why with season three, the new format, we should probably be, you know, the uncontested, uh, best, really. Yeah, best new wrestling podcast of the year. So uh, right after that, Cody Rhodes, formerly known as Cody, faces uh, Sammy Guevara for the, the championship. And... Just, I mean, annihilates him, does finishing moves to him like five or six times, super healed out, and then has a very nice little baby face celebration. David Crockett comes in the ring. He's like, oh, thank you, Mr. Crockett. You know, uh, just <laughs> like, it's so weird. It is weird, man. It's so weird. It always seems like there's a plan and then there's like not. 
and who knows, maybe it's just this really long, long thing coming, but um, a little confusing, you know, and I'm not, I'm not easily confused. I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Michigan State University. Yeah. <laughs> went to five towns a few times. All right, so we're going to talk about the best and worst of 2021. Now, I understand that you have compiled a list of your top five favorite matches of the year. Is that right? I have favorite matches of the year. I have my favorite wrestling moments of the year. Maybe we get away from wrestling for a little bit because I also have my albums of the year and my movies of the year, and then we'll bookend it with more wrestling. All right, well, yeah, let's uh, let's careen through now of course as you guys know i didn't make a top albums of the year because limbiscuit only put out one album this year so i can't make a list out of that but rick i'm surprised you listened to five albums now are these just reissues of iron maiden records or these are five albums that came out in 2021 iron maiden put out a record in 2021 didn't even make my list wow okay i was doing that extinction ad jim basher playlist every week for a couple of months so i listened to a lot of new music this year but I still kept it to five. All right. Well, number five, what is it? Number five, Wraith, Midwest thrash band. Super One of my favorite Insane Clown Posse albums, the sixth (laughs) Joker's card, the Wraith. Fantastic pick. They put out a record called Undo the Chains. Really cool record. Record I listened to quite a bit this year. Um, Nothing breaking the mold, but I think they've kind of honed in their sound. You know, they got that, they have a really cool thrash sound, and it's um, it dips its foot in modern thrash, and also in when I say '80s thrash, I don't mean like uh, just big four types of of uh, thrash. You know, a little deeper than that sometimes, which is cool. You know, they're not afraid to uh, play an A chord. Yeah, a really cool album artwork, and I did actually listen to this album because of that Insane Clown Posse connection. Somebody sent it to me, That's cool. and uh, my first thing was, oh, I love this artwork. I think this is cool. And yeah, like you said, I mean, very serviceable thrash metal album from a uh, modern band without sounding too retro, but like you said, obviously influenced by that sound. So nice pick. Number four. Go Ahead and Die, the self-titled album. Go Ahead and Die. I'm sure you like this. It's got Meepsters all over it. It's got white green and black camo all over it it's got (laughs) children playing drums (laughs) mac maximum cavalera is on the record as is uh zion a phone cavalera i believe right he's the drummer yeah yo this record is cool and i had no idea this was a thing someone's like yo did you hear this new go ahead and die so that is some band name they said oh it's the cavalera family so come on let me listen to it this sounds like it was recorded in 1988. Really cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the whole concept, recording, and release of the album was all very, very quick. So, uh, you know, just something that um, they were bored and living in the paradise of Arizona, cranked it out, and here it is. Man, I wish I lived there. I wish I lived there so bad. It snowed on uh, Christmas Eve morning. That's nice. In Arizona cool. or in New York? No, in New York. Come on, man. Um, I... Why, you don't understand the circles I'm talking in? Woke up, went to work, said, oh, snow? What do you mean, snow? Which is a line from uh, X-Men Season 1. Uh, but it was gone real quick, so it was it was nice because it's like, oh, just a little bit of snow. It's Christmas. Okay, number three, hardcore band. Not really a hardcore band, but, you know, Ikulu, Unscrew My Head. Um, They, they are a hardcore band, you know, but it's very uh, metal-influenced. It is... 
very third and fourth Cro-Mags album, Worship, which is the thing that I like so much about that is that all the people who hate those records are like, oh, man, this sounds like a great Cro-Mags record. But they'll, you know, they'll never listen to um, Alpha, Alpha, and Omega. O- Alpha and Omega or Near Death Experience. They'll just write it off. This album is so that era Cro-Mags just in all actuality, better songwriting, you know, because it's not going on and on for six and a half minutes. It's like really trimming the fat. Uh, do you know this record? Yeah, I couldn't get over. I, and when I say I couldn't get over, it's not like I didn't enjoy it. I guess a better way to phrase it is it was glaring to me how much this vocalist sounds like Aaron Bedard of Bane fame. And I uh, was having difficulty getting past that. You know, that's interesting. I never even made that comparison because I it the way I hear vocally, I hear uh, Harley Flanagan written vocal patterns done in the John Joseph pre YouTube um, Twitter <laughs> uh, spandex seal helmet guy uh, era, but sang by somebody who just really, really loved Trapped Under Ice. Um, which, you know, I like all those bands, even though I, I, you know, think some, even though I think John Joseph is a clown. Uh, but I think this record is super, super cool. And this was like a real fun, you know, this year. I really tried to kind of get more or like back into hardcore. You know, hardcore hasn't been interesting to me uh, overall for um, a long time. And not that, oh, hardcore stinks. I, I wouldn't say that. I, hardcore is very much like wrestling. If you go into it looking for the good, there's always good stuff there. Or most likely. I wouldn't know because I haven't been looking for a while. But um, this year I tried to pay more attention to hardcore. And there is quite a few cool bands and this was my um as far as you know the the hardcore hardcore world discounting metalcore and anything adjacent um this was my favorite hardcore based record of the year and my number three of the year number two number two is something i never thought i would like but um fragments of a bitter memory by dying wish man i love this record this record was just neck and neck with my number one, and it kind of edged out my number one for a little while until I, you know, was going over it again. I was like, oh, my number one is definitely my number one. But I mean, what? This is 2000s metalcore. That is exactly what this is, and that's like one of my least favorite things that fall under the hardcore and heavy music umbrella. But this is just, I think this rules. It's, it's just written so well, and it's like... um clever without being like um oh man that's like clever you know what i mean like it by clever it's actually literally clever not like the figurative like uh, dismissive use of the term clever um well-written songs that fall into that genre but um really cool and we played our they played our record release show which was awesome to see them live you know nice group of people and good live band great album yeah, that's very surprising to me that you like that just because, like you said, it is the epitome on paper of all the things that you have made fun of for the last 20 years. And not only that, but the name and logo are almost like a parody of 2000s metalcore. And uh, everyone loves it, which that's like yeah. the sound now, like, quote unquote, hardcore is all the stuff that people made fun of like 15 years ago. Like, oh, metalcore. Every it's all bands that sound like that first Norma Jean record. Not to say Dying Wish does, I'm, although I'm sure they would take that as a compliment. So mm-hmm. I'll, I will be saying that if that's what you want to hear. But uh, yeah, I really I really enjoy that band anyway. 
And, uh, you know, I like the incorporation of the, the, the clean singing that's been going on a little bit in the past couple of years for them. So really cool record and really cool that they're just like getting bigger and bigger, blowing up. You know, what's funny about this band, they were introduced to me by Tom Wood, Extinction AD. As that, that, that alone is funny to me, that yeah. sentence. And as like, oh, they're kind of have like a death metal influence. So that's what I listened to first. So I was like, oh, I could hear that. Cool. And it's funny, the way I went into it changed my opinion. And I'm glad I went into it that way. So I listened to their EP and their split and all this stuff. And I was into it. And then this record comes out and I was like hyped on this record, the lead up to it. And it's obviously you hear the metalcore in their other stuff, even if I didn't go into it. Hey, it's a metalcore band. And they're just so really honed in on just the metalcore. And yeah, I'm glad I went into it with an open mind because if I went into it, um, oh, he is a metalcore band, but they're really good. It might have changed my opinion. And that's like, that's weak bullshit. So I'm glad I went into it with a strong uh not what's the opposite of, of bullshit human piss um <laughs> cool R- really cool I, I really like this record i'm glad you like it and i'm glad tom likes it yeah that's it's that's a unique record where the three of us can all enjoy it yeah hey tom what do you think about that record all right oh yeah that's sick all right so that leaves us with what number one number one what do you think my number one is five turnstile glow on three <laughs> My number one is Cannibal Corpse, Violence Unimagined. Dr. Pepper Cream Soda Unimagined. <laughs> what an incredible record by a band that you didn't think would just be doing the best thing they've ever done this deep in their career. What, 30 years later? I'm so surprised that, well, I'm not surprised you said that. I'm so surprised so many people have been like, yo, this might be their best record. Because I'm historically, same thing, not a fan of Cannibal Corpse. Yo, overall, I'm pointing, I'm pointing, um... Up until this year, also, I don't, I'm not, I've never really been into death metal. You know, death metal is like, I get it and I like some of it, but on the whole, death metal is just not for me. But this year, same thing. You know, I didn't go in like, oh, let me try to get into some death metal, but just by discovering new bands, like, oh, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. And then out of all the bands, Cannibal Corpse, a band I historically don't like, puts out my favorite album of the year what I think is their best album. Then I went back and listened to, you know, their other albums. It's funny. Everybody loves that first record. I still don't like that first record, but their newer stuff, man, like, ah, I'm like a fan of cannibal corpse now. Like, that's crazy. I, you know, dude, I'm so old. I should have thought they were sick when Ace Ventura came out. Oh, it's just <laughs> like a metal band and they're in Ace Ventura. Of course I'm going to like it. And I didn't even like it back then and never turned the page. Um, the Metallica original song until this year. And, dude, this record is so good. You know what's so cool about this band and this record, you know, aside from the singer and the riffs and everything? In my opinion, they did not stray away on this record at all from, hey, we could put in, I don't want to say hooks, but, you know, if you go into it being like a, a metal guy, you memorable parts and choruses and uh, refrains and, and shit. Um, and just not being afraid of that, I feel like death metal – especially modern death metal is so just part, 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 end. And, you know, this album isn't like that. And I think it takes a lot of balls for them to, hey, we're going to write a, a structured song or a couple of structured songs that's uh, death metal. And, yeah, I think this is the best record that they've done and my number one record of the year. 
But yeah, that's awesome. And uh, a cool thing about them too is they have that Florida death metal influence, but are also from New York. So, you know, they kind of have the the best of both worlds with that. And speaking of New York, you know, recently on and death metal on Meet Meep, I had Immolation talking about the 30th anniversary of their Dawn of Possession album. And that was something I said to them that made that record so special for me is as much as I love the brutality of certain death metal records by like Suffocation and uh, and bands like that, that Immolation did have like almost choruses and refrains and things like that, things that you could attach to, which made it a more memorable record for me back when uh, when I first heard them and made, say, you know, Deicide's a lot like that too. You know, uh, Once Upon the Cross, Once Upon a Cross, Cross Fade, they uh, have a lot of like choruses and things like that. That's kind of what made them to me, I feel like a lot of people don't even realize that that's what they love about certain bands. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to people, even about going back to talking about hardcore, you know, Terror, one of the biggest bands in hardcore. And a reason why that is, is because they write songs. They write choruses and verses that are memorable, that stick in your head. They're not just um, these parts that, you know, even going back to something like Youth of Today, you know, their songs are like a minute and a half long. They're not long enough for you to have something sometimes stuck in your head. And uh and I think that people don't even realize, and that's what makes a great songwriter is that you don't even realize that that's what you're latching yeah. onto. You know, someone's not sitting there going, oh, I really like this refrain. <laughs> I like saying refrain just because you said yeah. it a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> so that's awesome. Cannibal Corpse, number one. Number one. Yeah, I didn't choose my own record. Extinction AD, the Chaos Collusion Carnage of Propaganda EP. Man, that thing rolls. Yeah, well, next year, the XAD full length will be on my top 10. Probably I hope at number so, 10. I sent it to you. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, already my favorite record of the year. <laughs> that's cool, man. I listened to it the other day. I go back and forth. Like, am I sick of this? Does this sound crappy? Then if I listen to it, like, on the right uh, caffeinated beverage, I was like, yo, this is a boxer that kills the other boxer in an <laughs> exhibition match. Um, this is Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, this Broken is Rocky Nick. Four. This is Brokeback Mountain. And um, Death Spiral put out their EP the other day. So anything Mozilla does is my number one. Oh, Mozilla is Mozilla is my number one record of the year. Number five match of the year from Dynamite Grand Slam. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Danielson's first match with AEW. The draw. I thought going into that, this should be an amazing match. But like, how is it going to live up to the hype? Even though it was a quick buildup, which I'm glad it was a quick buildup because the hype could have got way too big. But man, that thing was awesome. Super, super cool. And, dude, I think I had, like, 21 or 22 matches to get down to, like, my five, which that wasn't really super hard, but getting them in order was hard. But I feel confident in how I think. And it's not what's the best. This is my favorite. But I really, really like that match. I'm so glad that in 2021, um, and, you know, this might hinder our friendship. But, you know, I've become a fan of Kenny Omega, and that's funny. That is funny. Maybe it's sad. But it's cool. Crazy, sexy, cool. So I think this match had a lot of TLC. <laughs> uh yeah which was canceled or moved this year so we didn't i'm glad you had tlc from that all right so see so you since you're gonna do your top five matches of the year i'm gonna do my top five least favorite things that happened this year in wrestling i can't all wait right? i can't wait do you want me to throw my moments in let me give you a, a, a five moment Britt baker's rampage entrance in pittsburgh when she was like choking up and like trying not to start crying because of a reception man that was just really genuine from the crowd really genuine from her and you know i i got that that was cool really cool too juxtaposed to when they try when they tried to force it being a big deal <laughs> yeah and miserable. nobody cared 
All right. Number five, worst thing. So before I go into this, I need you to know <laughs> that typically my top five favorite matches, for those of you who don't know, are women's matches. That's just, a, you know, most of my favorite wrestlers are women's wrestlers. Most of my favorite matches happen to be them. So my top five least favorite things are also women related. But I want you to know that that's just par for the course with me. So number five, the worst thing in wrestling this year, the Queen's Crown of the Ring Tournament. <laughs> Why bother? Why bother? Zelina Vega, are you now Lindsay Lohan in the movie where she plays Liz Claiborne and doesn't know if she has an accent or not halfway through it? Is that your character now? Is that what you do on Twitch? Twatch. <laughs> You're vegan, so I'm a big fan, but I don't like what... I, first of all, none of the matches were even like good. Like the King of the Ring tournament yeah. matches, pretty sick. All these matches were like three minutes long. Then you have the the culmination of the first, you know, Queen's Crown tournament ever in Saudi Arabia, where we're all wearing our favorite boyfriend 3XL T-shirt and uh, or girlfriend. And I just don't uh, don't think that it was worth it. it. It it made it soured so that when they do it again, if they even do it again, maybe it'll be like WWE Evolution pay-per-view or they never do mm. it again. But um, I won't be excited about it. So number five worst thing in wrestling. Number four match for you. Hiromo Takahashi versus uh, Taiji Ishimori from Wrestle Kingdom 15 for the uh, junior juniors title. Man, this match was nuts. Um, I was expecting it to be good, but I was not expecting it to be the show stealer for night two of uh, Wrestle Kingdom in uh, this past January. But man, what an amazing match. Just like intense and hard hitting and technical. I think I just like gushed over this match last year when we talked about the entire show. But uh, dude, really, really exciting. Uh, and like a great way to start off the wrestling year, which unfortunately overall I think ended. Dude, December has been blah as hell for wrestling. Uh, I hate to say it, but um, maybe that's also because I fell off really early in the year from new Japan, which I would like to rectify that next year, especially knowing that Muda Mudo is going to be involved in uh, wrestle kingdom this year, which I think is cool because you know, he's older and doesn't have the face paint on. I think it's sick. Yeah. The story going into that match where uh time bomb had his career temporarily stalled in that match with Ishimori. And then they, uh, or not with Ishimori. It was with, um, his friend, whose name I can't think of right now. But anyway, then he comes back and uh, has this match. Dragon Lee, that's who he had the match with that he hurt himself. Remember? Yeah, the entire angle was like months long leading up to this. And it was cool. And it was, you know, with him winning the match was super cool. Um, I remember they were supposed to, he was supposed to have the match with Naito and that kind of like took forever because everyone got sick. But my favorite moment, another one of my favorite moments, the night before when um, Takahashi had the match with El Fantasmo. And you got to see hear your own voice do the entrance music? And I got to hear my own voice do entrance music on pay-per-view, finally. Uh, dude, that was awesome. Staying up way past my bedtime, watching it in bed, like, oh, I'm trying to stay awake, trying to stay awake. Instead, I was so excited. And uh, that's a bucket list thing, and that's really cool. All right. Well, the number four worst thing to happen in wrestling this year is Otis 
losing the briefcase and Miz becoming the champion for like seven minutes for no reason when he should have been the champion his whole life. And he is. So many things about that are like weird and missteps. The whole Otis thing, what did they think was going to happen? Oh, let's give him money in the bank. Why? What are you going to do? 7-Up doesn't even sponsor wrestling anymore. And like, oh, let's bring the Miz, you know, let's give him the title. You know, one of the best heels of our generation. Whatever, our, I don't even know. That doesn't make sense for us. doesn't even matter. Number three match. Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa. NXT, TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. I mean, you, you didn't have to see this match. If you knew either of these guys, you know exactly what type of match this was. So, so super cool. And kind of one of those things that you hope is going to happen. And, you know, especially during the whole pandemic era, you don't know what Walter's entire career is going to be as far as uh, American wrestling. How, I don't know. I, I don't think Ciampa's even older than I am, even though he looks older than Dan Tur. But he's just shredded her. And Jackter and cooler as Heller every single appearance as time goes by, yada yada. So it's those blue shoelaces and his Carhartt boots or whatever. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't even people don't have to make a meme about him. You want to wear a Carhartt hat? Can you even change a tire, man? Do you remember Dynamite Week on uh, TNT? One of those shows, Jericho had to come out with no entrance music. But the entire crowd sing it, which they do anyway, sing the entrance music. But him coming out to just the crowd singing the entrance music. I remember I got goosebumps watching that on my phone in the Amazon van at work. Um, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger because people barely know the verse. But they were singing the verse a bit. But then by the time it got to the chorus, because there was no actual music there, seeing it like Jericho's having fun the whole time. But then he kind of gets like emotional over it. So that kind of hit me the same way. Really, really cool moment. Yeah, embarrassing for everybody involved. The people singing, <laughs> you, Jericho. Yo, I got the uh, Junkyard Dog retro Hasbro uh, Mattel figure. I completed my figure for Chris, my uh, collection of that for Christmas. But you know, it says thump on his butt and his, his tights are white and it says thump in blue. And I show it to Alyssa. She goes, does that say Trump on his butt? <laughs> so yeah, maybe like, I'll. Yep. Maybe I'll make a custom. I'll put Jericho's torso on uh, Junkyard Dog's ass. All right. The number three worst thing in wrestling. And hey, this is a late, late entry. But uh, the Survivor Series egg. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I forgot all about. What is wrong with them? Oh, we have. You know what? I was going to like make fun. Of, I don't have to. Come number two match. Again, deuce in a row, Walter versus Dragunov, NXT TakeOver 36. Come on, man. Dude, these Walter matches, every single time, this one more than the Ciampa match, but um, it gets you emotionally involved because he is always you know, the favorite and the underdog is always so much the underdog. I'm not going to talk about my uh, match of the year two years ago. Again, uh, the one that makes me cry when I watch it. But dude. Could there be more of a underdog that you're rooting for versus Walter than Dragunov? And the fact that he actually won, and not just when he won, but he does the whole David and Goliath thing where he just straight, straight up like puts his foot on the chest, which 
my uh, psychotic religious grandmother had a David and Goliath statue with David standing on Goliath. So I don't even know if that actually happened in that story, but it happened in my household uh, until she died and we got rid of that statue. Uh, and it happened again at TakeOver 36. Man, just absolutely amazing. Everything I want out of a uh, big man versus little baby wrestling match. Uh, just so, so amazing. You know what? I'm I'm actually going back and forth. Maybe that should have been my number one match of the year. But I'll stick with my number one. But number two moment of the year, Punk's return on Rampage. Oh, my God. Same thing in bed, trying to stay awake, knowing it's going to happen. But you also don't really know. But, you know. And we spoke about this, so it won't go in depth. But, man, starting off the show with it. And then that long promo, which teetered on, oh, same old shit, WWE stinks, but didn't go far enough that it was, like, sickening. Plus, it's punk, so you know it's so genuine. Um, and that's what really, really, okay, you know what? I, I have to just be all in on uh, AEW and see how, you know, I feel about it. Yeah, two-way tie for my least favorite things <laughs> in wrestling. <laughs> for the number two. The existence of Nikki A.S.H. and Alexa Bliss, <laughs> Lily Doll. I love that you put them together because like, oh, we got these two people really, you know, clicking and on all cylinders running, comma, together. And um, oh, wait, wait we're going to do something great. Both of them. Then, uh, you know, one of them gets his doll, which isn't Ramblin' Rabbit. So uh, no one cares. And somebody gets uh, this hurricane gimmick which dude is it it's got to be revisionist history that people like oh the hurricane was so over and so good i mean oh hurricane like a fun part of the show hurricane helms was not as over as people are making it like it was recently. he was reginald of his time okay. that's what he was i just, just want to make sure because i know i'm old um now, to his credit, I know he was a great worker in WCW doing the three-count thing. You know, he did what he could with that, and they have the one ladder match that everyone brings up as if it was just the hallmark of WCW Nitro. Yeah. But, yeah, he was never a, a serious part of the show. He was, you know, the Santino of his – whatever you want to – whatever character you want to compare him to, he was never an actual – go ahead. What were you going to say? Gregory Helms, the Cruiserweight Championship run after that. I thought, great. Really, really good. Really enjoyed it, but but still, I mean, people, yeah, Hurricane. It, it was not as over as people make it like. And this Nikki thing is an an abortion of wrestling promotion, man. <laughs> Number one match. Number one match of the year to me: MJF versus Darby Allen, Full Gear. Wow, just I really happened. Thought, I didn't. I thought it was going to be the DB Hangman Adam Page, but no. You know, you know what? I liked that match. I did like it. And here's something that, like, yo, come on, grow up. I don't bring this up as a nitpick. It was a 60-minute draw. Uh, that match was over at the 56-minute mark of the television show. Which, it's wrestling. It doesn't matter. That's a stupid thing to bring up. That match was good. It was good. But it, it didn't even, you know, that wasn't even consideration for me on my match of the year, unfortunately. But MJF versus Darby Allen, I figured this was going to be a good match but man i got so into this match and it went on for a half hour but it didn't seem like one of those um early on young bucks AEW matches or it didn't even seem like seem like a johnny gargano match where it has to be long for the sake of it being long and all these false finishes i was really really uh invested in this story and even just the story of that match specifically and i didn't expect it to steal the show that decisively that early 
in that show. And I thought that entire show was really good. It went a little long, like every pay-per-view does. But, man, watch that show live um, with Dan Tur, and he was also so, so excited about that uh, match. Um, the psych- I went. We talked about this in depth on the show, um, the Full Gear show. But excellent, excellent match. Really, really um, kind of both of those guys further cementing their name as like top guys of the year and of the company in a really, really impressive match. I think uh, both of them kind of got expanded a little more out of their comfort zone, even though, you know, they both did their comfort zone stuff also. Um, You know, yes, yes, that is definitely my number one, even though the Walter dragon off match is just so, so close, but I'll choose that other one as my number one. And my moment Outside of a wrestling match of the year is, you know, a couple of different moments, but can't wait to you to be for you to be so mad at this. Everything Cardona did in wrestling this year. Dude, it's ridiculous. He think he's a joke. Totally fine. Think he's totally like, oh, like breaking the, the boundaries of wrestling with things he's done in the past. Does now also totally fine. Everything he did. After getting released from WWE, oh, I'll do some indies, I'll do this, that, and the other thing. His appearance doing the Moxley tease in GCW had that match with uh, Nick Gage. Uh, not the match itself, but what it means and what he went through and the, the winning the title and the King of the Death match and all this stuff. And even just now, like him making it like he, I quit GCW and I released GCW from uh, their obligations and I wish them the best in their future endeavors. And this whole indie heel gimmick, but I'm a baby face. I don't know why people think I'm a heel. Awesome. And, you know, even what he's doing in Impact is super cool. And he's kind of, oh, I never really did indies because I grew up a WWE guy. So I want to do everything. Um, Really cool. I have a lot of respect for him and um, good for him for, uh, Locking down Chelsea Green, too. The number one worst moment, worst angle, worst thing about wrestling in 2021. The exploding barbed wire (laughs) deathmatch. John Moxley, Kenny Omega, sparklers at the end after a doomsday countdown, Eddie Kingston covering the body like it's. Everything about it, terrible, ridiculous. Not even funny. At the time, not even funny. Just utterly embarrassing. You let me know if I'm crazy or not, which I already know the answer is from you. At least is yes. Because AEW turned it around the second half of the year, at least for me so far, does now, or even though it's not ancient history, but even let's say like if they stay in the same path two years, three years in the future, going back and watching that misstep, that complete abomination of professional wrestling, is that something that we can go back and be like, wow, like I have almost a little bit of um, fondness for that in the way that during the uh, Attitude Era Someone could go back to 94, 95, spark plug Holly and uh, TL Hopper and have a little bit of like, um, like positive feelings for that, like garbageness. Is that possible? 
not for me, but I'm sure there's people that are like, oh, I miss the good old days of AEW with Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss tag teaming and on Dark Elevation. See, th- that's the thing. I I don't even mean it like that. I mean it like, oh, I could appreciate that because like they were still missteps and they, you know, kind of like, you know, you just throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. And that was just like garbage. But like, oh, you know, I kind of like going back and watching the missteps. No, I think that you're actually just wrong in general to think that there haven't been missteps since because the good stuff is so good that that's what you remember. But there's mm-hmm. still tons of garbage in between these great moments. You know, I, I don't disagree. I think I keep saying that there hasn't been any missteps in the same way um, that I felt about WWE a few months ago. Now, I'm not anti-WWE, obviously. You know, I'm I'm very pro-WWE even now. But the good outweighed the bad, and it's just such a staple, and they have established a good faith where it's okay. Um, where Not that I don't feel like that towards them now, but their good isn't, like, even getting me psyched right now. Where AEW's good outweighs the bad, where I could, you know, look past the bad. I agree. All right. All right, let's wrap this up with your top three, because I don't want to hear five. Top three favorite movies of the year. Okay, well, if I'm doing top three, then I'm not talking about Mortal Kombat, which was so good, even though everyone hated it. I'm not talking about Willy's Wonderland, which I never even heard of, and Chris Evans made me watch it for the Thrasher's podcast. I'm so glad he did, because that movie was so cool. Nicolas Cage is playing Nintendo, drinking um, Dr. Pepper cream soda. Number three, Shang-Chi. How good? Despite Aquafina being in it, still good. What negative do you have to say about her? Everything she's ever been in up until this point. Everything she's ever done in her whole life. Her music career, her acting career, her comedy career, everything she's ever done. Commercials. Up until or including? Up until. I never even knew anything until. Of course not, because you. <laughs> what world do you live in? But yeah, yeah. She has a you know multiple season television show. She was in Crazy Rich Asians, one of the biggest grossing movies of all time. Uh, she did a commercial with Snoop Dogg. Is that funny? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> should I watch that movie? Crazy, Crazy Eights, Crazy. Uh, I don't see you enjoying it, but it's not a bad movie. All right. Well, my number two movie is so so good. I was trying to watch a pirated version of The Eternals. Uh, because I saw that in the theater, and that obviously didn't even come close to making my list. But I wanted to watch it again anyway. Couldn't find it, but it played something else, even though it was supposed to be Eternals. Watched the first five minutes of it said, yo, this is sick. What is this? Figured out what it was. Started from the beginning, watched it again. The Harder They Fall. You watched that? No, I'm not even familiar with this. Okay. Netflix exclusive movie. It's a Western, which is like all this stuff. Like, why would you watch this? But it's like an all-black cast. Um which is like, oh, so it's, but it, and it has like modern music and modern slang. Um, and it's a loose, I think not retelling, but almost like an adapted sequel of, um, what the heart of they come a Western from the fifties or something. Uh, and it takes characters from real life, but reinterprets them. So all the characters are real documented people, but it reinterprets them and makes this fantasy story. Um, dude, seriously, I don't see any reason or any way you wouldn't be super invested in this movie five minutes into it. And the two hours and 19 minutes will blow past in what feels like 20 minutes. Just unbelievable movie. Really, really good. Soundtrack's amazing. 
I mean, the way you just described it sounds awesome, so I'm I'm all about it. Cool, cool. I think you'll enjoy it. Number one movie, which probably is not, everybody else's. Oh, I'm sorry. Number one movie, you're not counting the Undertaker Escape from New Day interactive vignette. Uh, there could have been three movies released in 2021. All three of them could have been that movie, and I I just wouldn't show up today. Number one movie, No Way Home? Spider-Man, No Way Home. Spider-Man, No Way Home. Spider-Man, No Way Home. I even put this on Twitter, and lots of people wrote Spider-Man, No Way Home. And I even said this uh, two weeks ago or last week or whatever, first like 5, 10, 15 minutes, I was like, eh, I don't really know what I think about this movie. And then it was the best movie um, that happened all year. I wouldn't go as far as to say, oh, it's the best movie ever. I wouldn't even say it's the best Marvel movie ever. But it's definitely up there. Dude, apparently, I don't know if this was U.S. or international. It's the – I heard two different things, number five and number two or number three, whatever. Uh, top grossing movies ever, which like in the pandemic, this is crazy. That's crazy, but well worth it. You know, they pulled out all the stops and, dude, so cool. And that audience reaction I told you. Did you see that in the theater? I did. Yeah, that we were talking about that last week. Just the 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 visceral reaction. I mean, I think if anybody's going to see it, they've seen it by now. So when Andrew Garfield unmasks his mask, all the ladies in attendance and probably a couple of the fellas and maybe me. Yeah. Going. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Dude, I'm so glad I made Alyssa watch all the other Spider-Men before this because she would have understood it regardless. But. Just watching it, it just adds so much. And, dude, that's what's so good about the movie. If you didn't watch any of the other movies, you still know when he shows up that it's not just, oh, what? It's a different Spider-Man. It's like you feel like there's gravity to it. But um, if you did just watch it, it's so good. And he's even better in this movie than the other ones. And Tobey Maguire is such a good old Spider-Man. And the whole uh, Matt Murdock reveal, like, yo, it's already been released. Everybody knows it. Just throw it in right away you know, to get it over with and like, oh, people are excited Matt Murdock, but then he does the daredevil catch, which that was specifically said wasn't going to be in it. Uh, he's going to be in, you know, as Matt Murdock, if we ever bring daredevil back, it'll be Charlie Cox, but you know, who knows? And he does that like, oh my God. So it just nails you and it nails you again. Um, he's a really good lawyer. Yeah. He's a really good lawyer, really good actor. And, um, he did well, a what lot he says, when he does the catch. He goes, how'd you do that? He's like, I'm a really good lawyer. <laughs> He did a lot of eye movement and eye contact and blinking for a blind man, but you know what are you gonna do? Um, was that your number one? My number one movie of the year? Yes. No way home. I think it is. Okay. So I know you love the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel movies. I know you don't really care about Star Wars. I do. Here's just a little conversation piece. I've been a victim of it, and now I want to uh, change my ways with this upcoming. You know, twenty twenty two and everything. I don't want every Marvel movie and every Star Wars movie to be all about, oh, this means that and this means that for the future and who are they going to introduce next. And I want a movie to be a story unto itself and like it doesn't have to be like uh, close ended, but I don't want the main takeaway from every movie to be who's going to be the surprise here. And like, if you write a comic book, you know who this person is. And that's important. Um, especially with a uh, book of Boba Fett starting. I don't want that whole thing to be like all about, Oh, what does that mean? Like, how does this link up to this and that? I want it just to be like the story of what Boba Fett's doing. I think that's why rogue one 
whether people realize it or not, is so widely heralded because it's just its own movie. Sure, you know, it can mean little things if you're a dweeb, but, uh, you know, by itself, it rocks. You don't need anything else. You don't need to. And it doesn't really impact anything because all the stuff that happens after it has already been documented on the big screen and the little screen. And I do like that. I liked a lot of stuff this year. Matches, movies, albums. Really a cool year for a lot of things aside from finishing a tour without getting mad. Well, we'll try and see if you can even start a tour next year, which is when our next episode will be. We appreciate you hanging out with us and uh, listening to us ramble about our best ofs. You can tell us your best ofs at Stiff Shots Pod on the Instagram, but we will listen to it. We will read it. We will argue about it. And more importantly than all that, Bye.